Hello and welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson alongside Rick Maynard today. This is going to be episode number 85. This is a verse-by-verse edition with Rick Maynard. Welcome back, Rick. Yay! It's good to be back. Oh, that's Kelly That's Kelly Stevens, one fan, giving you a shout-out as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, one's better than none. That's actually your intro there, Rick Maynard. I made okay. you a custom intro. The Shake and Bake. Okay. I'm a Talladega Nights guy, kind of, in a sense. But all right. Well, we're going to dive into it. For those of you that have listened, that listen and are part of the Grace One Daily Podcast, we both have been busy. I've been out of the country doing some things here and there and life, et cetera. No excuse, but Rick's busy as well. So we apologize. Rick, would you like to apologize as well? our fan base i'm so sorry can you you get me a kleenex yeah so anyway we hope you enjoy the verse by verse edition of the grace point daily podcast we're going to get back into it so let's see if you guys even remember where we are at where we at rick we are in first kings chapter 2 verse 32 and you'll just have to back up if you want to bring yourself up to date on this we don't have time to to back up and rehash everything but this is where uh david uh has died solomon is becoming king, and Solomon is cleaning house. He's getting rid of the, the riffraff, if you would. We've made that uh, relationship to Trump's statement that he's draining the pond, draining the swamp, <laughs> and so that's what he's doing here. So in verse 32, it says, The Lord will repay him. He's talking about Joab here. For the blood he shed, because without the knowledge of my father David, he attacked two men and killed them with the sword. Both of them, Abner, son of Ner, commander of Israel's army, and Amasa, son of Jether, commander of Judah's army, were better men and more upright uh, than he. So it's talking about the Lord repaying uh, for the blood he shed. And, of course, in in those times, not only uh, with God but man towards each other, there was uh, an eye for an eye. And so really what he's saying here is you've done something that deserves your death. You've killed, and now you deserve to die. And and the whole uh, eye for an eye, a lot of people like to use that now, you know, as a justification for revenge on someone that's done something to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not what it was ever intended to be. Uh, it was intended to be equal for equal. So uh, if you uh, you brought your family over and you killed my wife, the eye for an eye would be that I could come back and kill your wife and everything would be called equal. But <laughs> I couldn't come back. If you killed my wife, I couldn't come back and say, well, you killed my wife. I'm going to kill your whole family. Yeah. Uh, then you would be out of line for the law of the day. So it was uh, allowed, in other words, to take some sort of revenge. And, of course, Jesus overturned that. You know, He said, yeah. you've heard this, but now I say, you know, forgive, turn the other cheek, all those kinds of things. But this was equal justice. I mean, it was what was... Uh, deserved. So, and it's part of uh, making sure that people knew that David was innocent. You know, by making this statement here, you did it without my dad's knowledge. So, it's not only that you uh, killed these guys that should not have been killed, but you went behind David's back. You uh, you took it on yourself. It wasn't by David's orders. You're supposed to be following his orders, but you went behind his back and did this. And so, uh, and he names the people, so it's not just some random uh, guys that he killed. But and I, I love the statement that says uh, that you are a better man than than the guys you killed, and uh, they're not uh, perfect, but they were better men 
than uh, than you are, the guys that died. So he says, uh, verse 33, May the guilt of their blood rest on the head of Joab and his descendants forever, but on David and his descendants, his house and his throne, may there be the Lord's peace uh, forever. Uh, Joab is going to die, but there's also going to be uh, a curse placed on his descendants. So, you know, normally things are decided by, you know, the two witnesses, the court makes some decisions, but the king kind of had an ultimate authority there. And we don't understand that really in our culture because, you know, the president says he's going to do something, but then Congress comes along and says, no, we're not going to let you do that. Or, mm-hmm. or you have to go through channels to be able to do that. It didn't work that way. If, if Solomon knew without a doubt, and he made that judgment that this, the, the Joab's guilty, then he has a right to call down curses. Now, whether or not those curses, it's not God stating this is a curse, but we know Solomon's a man of great wisdom, and so the the things that he speaks are probably a little more uh, from God than just a normal guy who's mad and wants to curse someone. And uh, you know, I've I've said things before where uh, you know, and not right, but somebody's stolen something from me, you know, a power tool or something like that. And, you know, I've said, man, I hope they, <laughs> I hope they get electrocuted, right. you know, with that tool. Because, <laughs> you know, they're going to go sell it for five bucks. And I would have given five bucks to let me right, keep right. it, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, uh, there's, uh, there's curses. And uh, David called down, and this is clear back in Second Samuel, but David said about Joab, may there never cease from the house of Joab. And he, he lists some things here. So, it's calling down a curse on uh, Joab and on his descendants. And let me, uh, I'm, I'm going to read these. And some of this is some King James. Some of it is uh, NIV, the way it's worded. But it says, dribblers, and that aren't, that's not basketball players. Nope. So NBA season's over. Right, it's over. <laughs> Golden State blew it. So oh, we better move on. Yeah. I'll, start, <laughs> I'll start crying again if I get into that. But uh, dribblers, lepers. Uh, those who lean on the staff, those who fall by the sword, and those who lack bread. So there was uh, a curse on the descendants, um, and dribblers had to do really with uh, venereal diseases, gonorrhea and those type things. Again, uh, we were just talking about how adultery and and uh, prostitution and all those things have been around forever. So have diseases. And, yeah. you know, people, if uh, we were talking about how they try to justify it because it's the oldest profession yep. out there. Well, it also comes with some of the oldest diseases that, yes. that were there. So so dribblers had to do, we won't uh, elaborate, but it had to do with uh, venereal diseases. And then, of course, lepers, uh, the flesh turns white and dies. Those who lean on the staff was a reference to uh, pain or gout. Uh, I know some, uh, I've never had that, but people talk about gout and how you just can't even walk. It's so yeah. painful. It feels like a, a knife. And of course, lack of bread. We understand that. But uh, there's in in contrast to that. If you're naming curses, the contrast to that it, when it names blessings that a person can earn for his descendants, and not not in this scripture particularly, but the, it does name different places. It talks about beauty, which is the op- would be the opposite of leprosy. Strength, uh, the 
the dribbling or the venereal diseases would would be a loss of strength. The wealth would be uh, lack of bread to eat. Uh, wisdom would be the opposite of the gout, uh, which pain interferes with clear thinking. Mm. And uh, long life would be a blessing. Uh, the contrast of that would be falling by the sword. And so um, now there was also a belief, and this would <laughs> this would cause you to think very seriously about cursing someone because there was a belief that if you call down a curse that if it if it wasn't from God, in other words, it was just your words because just like me saying, I hope this guy gets electrocuted on that saw, you know, or <laughs> yeah. I hope he cuts his hand off, you know, because he stole my saw. Really? I mean, I want some guy to lose his hand because he <laughs> stole a $50 saw. I mean, but um, the, the idea was that if you call down curses at, that aren't justified, that aren't from God, God speaking through you or whatever, uh, that it would return on the person who called down the curse. So some people believe that when David called this curse down, that he really didn't even have a right to that, and they, they used the justification because in David's line, so in other words, Joab's line suffered some of those things, but in David's line, uh, Rehoboam, was, all these are kings, Rehoboam had venereal disease, Uzziah was a leper, Asa had gout, Josiah died by the sword, and Jehoiakim was taken prisoner and begged for bread. So, uh, you know, that's where they use some of this. It's like, uh, you know, it looks like to me the opposite thing happened, uh, or the very thing that David called down a curse, that it came back on his own descendants. Wow. And so, uh, you know, and, there, and there's always, with a curse, with any of those kind of things, it, it's all conditional. You know, I mean... If a person's, I mean, we're all going to be, we're, we're cursed to go to hell, <laughs> yeah. you know, if we don't change our ways. And so there's always conditions on those things where people can, can change. And so uh, the fact that a curse is called down on someone, it's saying because your descendants will continue to live in sin, they'll continue to be murderers, those kind of things, this is what's going to happen. And so uh, they were really justified in those curses. Uh, 34 and 35, so Benai, son of Jehoiada, went up and struck down Joab and killed him, and he was buried on his own land in the desert. The king put Benai, son of Jehoiada, over the army in Joab's position and replaced Abiathar with Zadok the priest. So uh, we know that Joab has been uh, holding on to the horns of the altar. That's where a lot of this conversation. So, you know, we don't know if he had the nerve to go in and kill him in the temple which may have, may have been a desecration to the temple. So they could have gone in and just got a hold of him and drug him away from the altar. You know, it doesn't give us all of that uh, information. Buried in the desert, we don't even know that that might have been because Joab did have a home outside of there. You know, he didn't live in the temple. So uh, he had a home in the desert someplace. So that could have been even by his own choice. So we don't even know that that was a punishment uh, per se. But... Um, there's, if you read about just Joab in general, you know, we, we read these stories sometimes and we think that um, if you read several bad acts that a person did, that it wipes out all the good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you as a pastor, if you preach a message <laughs> and it, it's uh, offensive or uh, you say the wrong thing, I mean, whatever, I mean, we all do it. You know, I've said some things that I've had to come back and apologize for. But 
But anyway, you can't, you know, it's like, okay, I'm keeping count. You know, pastor, right, right. pastor said this, and then on this day he said this, and I've got them all written down, you know, all these things that he said. Well, you know, does that negate, even if they were right, even if you misspoke on something, maybe you, the scripture, you read the scripture wrong, or you misinterpreted a scripture. I mean, you know, everyone's been guilty, but we we gather up all those things, and then we wipe out all the good. Mm-hmm. Right, you right. Know, because that defines you. That's that's the kind of person you are because you did this, because you said this. And so in Joab's place, the, if you look at about, uh, if look up about what kind of man he was, it says um, that he was a generous man. We know that he was a, a fearless fighter, I mean, fighting in the wars. But he would, he would bring home the spoils and kept nothing for himself. Uh, in other words, he felt like he wasn't entitled to the spoils of the war. Um, they said he was kind and generous to strangers, that he constructed public buildings, that he was a support of scholars. In other words, there were buildings put up that were like, um, you know, he would pay for, you know, the Carthage Library, mm-hmm. and they would put his name on it, basically. Okay. Uh, uh, the football field here is dedicated to someone. Well, I, well, I won't go there, but uh, they paid to have their name put on, uh, you know, a building. Or whatever. So enjoy. And case. I think that's why you, you've hung around Grace Point so long. You're kind of have some expectations that an yeah. edifice might be put up in your name someday. Yeah, like, you know, I mean, I, I've seen that Rocky Balboa statue and stuff. Right. And it should be. I mean, I, I can't, you know, I've been here all my life and I can't even get a reserved parking spot or a, a seat, you know, in the church. I mean, I have to move sometimes. Right. So uh, it's a sad case, but, you know, we'll. I'll live with it for now, but I, I do have expectations. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, those things that he did that were good, uh, far outshadowed. And all of this, this return of when it talks about uh, the position replacing Abiathar with Zadok, that was all predicted, uh, and, and you'd have to go back. I, I, I couldn't even explain it to you, so I'm not acting like uh, I've got all the answers here, but it was somewhere between 80 and 100 years prior to this event, it was predicted that the priesthood would return back to that side. Mm-hmm. And so uh, not only is this a uh, just a statement that we're reading here about the way things went, but it was a, uh, a prophetic thing that is coming to pass now that was spoken before, that yeah. the kingdom and the priesthood would be returned. And my, my, you know, my, as we go through these few verses, just a couple, I mean, real general thoughts, but one overall take is just simply whether, you know, kind of getting that conversation between old Testament, new Testament, but our life, our lifestyle does matter and it produces an effect on people and multiple people. It produces an effect on our inherit, you know, our, our generations, Mm -hmm. our descendants that we can't get around that even in today with, you know, grace and Jesus and, you know, he's taken away maybe some of these right. uh, things in the Old Testament, but our lifestyle still has an effect. Right. Uh, and it's still, we still have to, we still have to live with the result of bad decisions and choices mm-hmm. and they can't always get washed away. Uh, right. So we just have to watch how we live, well, you know, today. I just talked to someone recently about the fact of, of uh, that someone had done something and had violated trust. And I said, you know, you trusted that person for all these years, and in an instant, 
that trust yeah. was destroyed. And we forget about that. You know, we think we can just, well, if I make a mistake, I'll just, I'll say I'm sorry and things will be back. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> and so some of these things, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, we have grace and mercy and we don't live in these times, but some things do still apply. Mm-hmm. I mean, we still have expectations. God expects us to be obedient. We might not get struck down if we're not, but yeah. there are the same as there were here. There are consequences yep. for things. And so um, first 36 through 38, so this is still kind of a little bit of draining the swamp. Then the king sent for Shimei and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem and live there, but do not go anywhere else. The day you leave and cross the Kidron Valley, you can be sure you will die. Your blood will be on your own hand. Shimei answered the king, What you say is good. Your servant will do as my lord the king has said. And Shimei stayed in Jerusalem for a long time. So uh, we won't rehash everything with with Shimei, but he's the one who threw dust on David, threw rocks at him, cursed at him. Uh, all of those things. He came back. He said he was sorry. David let him live. He said, I won't kill you, Shimei, uh, because you seem repentant. But he reminded Solomon, hey, don't forget that you've got Shimei. In other words, uh, I'm not sure he, Shimei got the full trust back. He mm-hmm. might have had a little trust, <laughs> but he's still in the in the position of proving himself in this situation. So uh, he says... Uh, you know, and and it's not a big punishment because Jerusalem is a pretty good place to live. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like he exiled him, you know, to the island of Patmos or, uh, you know, this was yeah. uh, telling him to stay in Jerusalem. I mean, that's all he had to do. It's a nice place to live. the The Kidron Valley um, is is like a half mile outside. So, if he wanted to step outside the city limits, basically, you know, he could still do that so he had really everything he needed but um the the thing he didn't have was the freedom to just go wherever he wanted to go and i i related it a little bit to a house arrest okay you know he wasn't stuck in his house but uh my son shane is a uh police officer in indiana and that's his job is to check on the guys with the ankle bracelets you know uh, they go in and check. They drug. They drug test them. They uh, to make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do. Those guys, those ankle bracelets, they're able to watch them everywhere they go. So uh, he said, if they stop at Casey's and buy gas, they can. They know if they're at the pump. They know if they walked inside <laughs> Casey's. They know every move they make. Wow! And so they can watch those. I mean, obviously they didn't have that <laughs> there, but it's kind of the same principle. You know, you're, we're not putting you in jail, but you have restrictions on where you can go. And I just, I I thought it was very ironic that he had everything he could possibly need in Jerusalem, but he went, he still stepped outside the city. And we'll read that here in a second. But I couldn't help think about Adam and Eve in the same, you know, they had everything they could possibly need. Yeah but they just thought there was something else. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, God is withholding something from me. You know, I got, I've got a lot, but I just, there must be something else. Yeah. You know, and, and Satan came along and said, 
you know, did God really say? And, mm-hmm. you know, you'll be, you will be like God. You know, he's holding out on you, in other words. Yeah. And, I, you know, it, it's the same principle as, you know, whatever it is in our life that, that we call sin. You know, we can say, uh, well, drugs would be a good example. You know, well, we shouldn't do that. But then people feel like, well, you know, I mean, that's a really, God's putting a restriction on me right. for something that yeah. would be a good thing, <laughs> you know, or alcohol or whatever the, the issue would be in our lives. We begin to think that God's holding out on us and, and not giving us everything. And so he had the same thing. We'll just, we'll read it here. But, um, but three years later, Two of Shimei's slaves ran off to Achish, son of Maka, king of Gath, and Shimei was told, Your servants are in Gath. At this he saddled his donkey, went to Achish at Gath in search of his slaves. So Shimei went away and brought the slaves back from Gath. And that, that word, the very first word there, but, you know, it, it tells about all the, the Solomon's commands. And Shimei says, you know, what you say is good, and I'll do what you say. And then three years later, uh, we have this but. He said all this, but Shimei did something else. And, you know, his, his previous words, and it's only been three years. It's not like this has been 20 years later. Yeah. Three years later, after he said, what you say is good, and your servant will do as my lord the king said. I mean, those were his words, uh, not just a mistaken agreement. Uh, he agreed to what he said. Uh, this Akish had been uh, one of David's friends, had sheltered him from Saul, and this has been 40 or 50 years prior. So uh, this Akish that is is being referred to is one of David's old friends. So, uh, you know, and and a lot of people would sometimes read these stories and we think it was a little harsh. You know, I mean, didn't Shimei apologize? And, you know, but it's it's just a, a hard issue that somebody knows Shimei well enough to just, you just can't trust the guy. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what it amounts to because mm-hmm. it seems admirable that he, uh, you know, he's going back to rescue his mistreated slaves and, and uh, you know, surely Solomon wouldn't kill me for such a minor offense. Or maybe Solomon has forgotten you know, about, yeah. about this. Maybe he forgot that he told me to do this. And, uh, you know, it, and we read these stories like, man, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe that he, you know, would, uh, would go against his word yeah. or whatever. But justification, just, that whole issue of justifying our sin. And oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, God won't care. You know, I, I can, it's, it's just not that big a deal. And I, we don't know what Shimei thought. We don't know what his reasoning was or whether he just saddled the donkey and took off and didn't think about consequences. But, I mean, the consequences that he was given there was not like, uh, you know, we say sometimes, well, you're going to be in big trouble. Well, what does that mean? You know, I mean, what are you going to do to me kind of thing? So I don't know if he even thought about it but yeah solomon said you'll the day you leave you'll die i mean it was pretty clear it wasn't yeah uh, you know so he should have known but you know god won't care it's it's a small thing and then the other thing is the longer you get away with something 
you know, the more you think you can get away with something. We covered this on the Modern Christian Dads podcast before I left, but it was kind of interesting. Very sad, but interesting. It was the anniversary. I can't, it was 25 or something of the O.J. Simpson mm-hmm. uh, murder. That was just a couple weeks ago. And so right. they came back and interviewed O.J. And um, he's like, "Why? Well, I've moved on from that event. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. It, it's just not there. You know, right. and it's like, that's gone. That's yeah. not, there's no need to talk about that. We're just, I'm moving on to happy things now. Mm-hmm. It's so long yeah. <laughs> ago now. It doesn't matter if I right. killed anybody yeah. or it, not. It's not a big you deal. Know? You know, it's right. like, like literally like that. Like, no, we just, we just don't talk about that. It's, yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, uh, I think, I mean, we all have done it at some point. I mean, I, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm, I'm talking about myself here, but you know, we just, we just think, well, it's not that big a deal, you know? <laughs> and, and I used to tell people, uh, one of the examples, and again, I haven't always lived by it either, but you know, people have asked me before, and especially when I was going to Willowcrest and, and dealing with teenagers and anybody who's been in youth ministry has probably had these questions. You know, will I, if I smoke, will I go to hell? Yeah. You know, if I drink, will I go to hell? If I take drugs, will I go to hell? You know, they, everything becomes a heaven and hell issue. And I said, I've tried to use the example that, uh, you know, what if your wife says, it's, uh, you know, if you sleep around, I won't, it, it won't make me happy. It'll hurt my feelings if you do it, but I won't divorce you for it. Well, are you going to, are you going to go ahead and do it just because it won't result in a divorce? Or are you going to not do it because it's going to hurt your wife? So, uh, you know, well, of course, in, in most cases, I don't want to die. So, right. <laughs> you know, but uh, I mean, are we going to, are we going to hurt God even though he won't send us to hell? So that's the issue. It's, it's a, it's how does this make God feel? Not, will I go to hell? Mm-hmm. How much can I get by yeah. with <laughs> and still go to heaven? You know, that's, so, uh, you know, I don't, we don't know what Shimei's thinking was here or if he just did something stupid on the spur of the moment. And uh, anyway, I, we don't know that, but these are just things that go through your mind when people are disobedient, especially after they've promised to be obedient. So uh, two, uh, 41 to 43, when Solomon was told that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had returned, the king summoned Shimei and said to him, did I not make you swear by the Lord and warn you on the day you leave to go anywhere else, you can be sure you will die. At that time, you said to me, what you say is good, I will obey. Why then did you not keep your oath to the Lord and obey the command I gave you? I don't know how Solomon found out. I don't know if he had people watching Shimei. I don't know if somebody just you know, just came by uh, the normal news, the daily uh, news that came to Solomon. I, I don't know, but... Uh, I don't think Solomon was sitting around hoping that Shimei would fail so that he could, mm-hmm. you know, any more than, I, I just think this is all of a great relation or a great example of our relationship to the Lord. He's not sitting up there right, <laughs> waiting for us to make a mistake yes. so that he can punish us. Right. Exactly. And, <laughs> and so I don't think Solomon sat around for these last three years saying, man, 
did, is Shimei still here? Is he still here? Did he leave? Is he doing what I told him to do? I don't think that's the case any more than what God does with us. Yeah, He's not waiting for us to make a mistake. But he has some guidelines and some... Uh, and, and this is even more serious because he's not saying, hey, Shimei, you promised me that you wouldn't leave. This goes on to say, you made an oath before the, you swore before the Lord that you wouldn't do this. It's not like uh, I just said, you know, to my parents, I promise I won't drink again. It would be more like I said to God, I swear on the Bible (laughs) that I'll never touch alcohol again. We better be careful about those promises that are made. So, He's not, uh, you know, he's not just sitting there waiting, um, and and I think the Lord would ask us the same thing when we sin. Why did you not keep your oath to the Lord? You know, it's always going to result in something right uh, wrong. Why didn't you keep your oath? And so, uh, one more. We'll finish up here. Twenty four or forty four, forty five. The king also said to Shimei, "You know in your heart all the wrong you did to my father David." Now the Lord will repay you for your wrongdoing, but King Solomon will be blessed, and David's throne will remain secure before the Lord forever. So it's the very first thing that you know in your heart, all the wrong you did to my father. So it's not just about this incident. This goes all the way back to what uh, he had done before. Uh, it's, a, it's a heart condition. And we can say, well, Shimei repented, but... You know, the questions would be, did you really stop hating my father? I mean, was that all just a um, a sham? Did you beg forgiveness out of fear? You know, are we, um, do we really love the Lord or are we just afraid to go into hell? Yeah. I mean, that's, and I think there's a little of both that are important in our lives. You know, I love the Lord, but I'm also scared to death to go to hell. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a there's a double thing there. Right. There's a result of my sin. Yes. I want to love the Lord, and I want relationship, and I'm anxious to go to heaven. But somebody, I think it might have been one of Francis Chan's books, but he made a statement one time. If you, um, how was it worded? If you were going to heaven and you found out that Jesus wasn't going to be there, would you still be just as excited to go? <laughs> okay. And I thought, you know, that's a that's a pretty deep question. Right. You know, I want to go to heaven. I mean, how many times have we all said when the country's in a mess and politics are a mess and all, you know, Lord, come quickly. Yep. You know, well, most of that is, Lord, get me out of here. Yeah. You know, it's all about our personal self. You yep. know, it's not... Man, I am so anxious to see Jesus. Yeah. You know? And that's why I always say, you know, hell is, the, the worst part of hell is not, uh, we tend to focus on the burning flames, oh, yeah. and but really the worst part of hell is the absolute absence mm-hmm. of God's presence. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we realize that because yeah. God is always with us. <laughs> right. You know, sinner and saint. Yep. He's always I'm there. I'm the present here drawing, today. You know, so, but you're right. But, uh, you know, and he has to say, you know, I gave you a chance to prove yourself. You know, you you took oaths. Uh, my father gave you an oath that I won't kill you, but you expected him to keep his oath, you know, that I won't kill you, but now you don't expect me to keep my oath 
that I will mm-hmm. kill you. Yeah. You know, you didn't show him that courtesy, but now you want me to show you that courtesy. Yeah. And again, for our lives, it's, it's <laughs> a, uh, you know, what we expect God. Well, it says, how do you expect God to forgive you if you don't forgive others? Right. You know, and it's that same principle that's going on here. And it's the same thing that, uh, that the Lord speaks to us today. Yeah. And I love the phrase. I'll wrap it up with this one. It says, you know, in your heart, you know, all of our actions are the result of what's in our heart, simply put, you know, so if you're a murderer, it's because you had murder in your heart. If you have that, it's just an outflow of that, which is on the inside of you. And I love how Solomon said that, you know, in your heart, Mm -hmm. what was, what was inside of you. And so what's happening right now is not some mistake. It's not a whoops. Mm-hmm. It's something that was cultivated right. inside of your life, inside of your heart that you let grow. And the important part I think is powerful is, is like, you know, you know, mm-hmm. and, and what's crazy about our hearts is only we can see that literally. Right. I mean, I could, uh, that's why I, I said uh, a few weeks ago when we were with our pastors, it could be like, well, I could wake up in the morning. I go pray with pastors every Tuesday. I could wake up on Tuesday, uh, go to pastor's prayer, uh, leave pastor's prayer, go to a hotel room, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then come back to the office, uh, go throughout the day, uh, preach on Sunday, and no one would see my heart. No one mm-hmm. would see the actions or the outflow of what's inside of me. And Solomon's like, you know, you know what's inside of you. This is, a, right. this is about your heart. This is about what's inside of you, and, and you're the one who can see that. And that's a scary place to be because even as close as I could get, you know, our loved ones, you know, a a spouse as close as we should be, that person we sleep next to every night or whatever, we can have things in our heart that they can't even see the person close, closest to us. And so, man, the only way, uh, so that we have to monitor ourselves, And that's why the Bible said, guard your heart Mm -hmm. because it's the well spring of life. The the Bible would say, this is the most sacred place inside of you that the only person that has the ability to protect to invest, to bring out of this one specific location, your heart, not your physical heart, you know, your, right. the spirituality of who you are is you. Right. Right. Well, I think, I think the whole thing, and again, it, it comes down to this heart issue that we're talking about here. So we've dealt with the death of Joab. It was, it was his heart. He may have done some good things, but his heart was, was evil. You got Shimei. Shimei may have done some good things. He might've been a good man along the way, but he had a bad heart and that's, uh, again, the lesson for all of us. Yeah. Today. Amen. What's in your heart. Look at it, check it out. Have Jesus look at it have him give you some advice. He is Jesus is the ultimate heart doctor that you yes. need to go see and hang out with. So there we go. We're back at it. We're back in the groove. Everyone say thank you to Rick Maynard. Now that he's back, he apologized. Come on. He's back in the groove. We're back in the groove. We look forward to talking to you next time and we'll have some more grace point verse by verses coming down the pipe. We'll talk to you guys next time.